and welcome back to the Ops Show, where we bring you the trials and tribulations, the automation collaborations from the world of DevOps and the greater developer. I'm your host, as always, Tristan Pollock. And in our best show yet, we have Fletcher Richmond, founder of Help, which was recently acquired in May of this year by Atlassian. Very excited to hear about the story. Welcome to the show, Fletcher. Thanks, Tristan. Yeah, excited to be here. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, like we always like to start out is is kind of your you know code story or like your how did you get into tech how did you start help you know like what were some of the steps that led up to that yeah totally um so i was born and raised in colorado um i went to the university of colorado boulder and uh i studied i was originally studying environmental engineering i thought i was going to do clean tech stuff and like save the world um and maybe maybe I'll still do that hopefully one day. Um, and I ended up doing like the intro class to environmental engineering, and basically found out that it was like wastewater management, and just not at all what I was looking for. Um, and so then I actually transferred into electrical engineering because I figured, okay, I don't want to do the environmental part, but I like I, maybe I can design solar panels and I can design uh, like windmills and stuff like that. And I, I thought that would be the, the path into to the clean tech world. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I was kind of studying some of that stuff, I did like an internship at IBM and a lot of the big sort of big company, traditional things that you do in college. And I had a startup idea that I thought was a genius startup idea and got super excited about it. And I've always been the kind of guy who just like jumps in head first. And so I ended up uh, jumping in, like creating a company, teaching myself some HTML and CSS. I actually, the very first coding class that I took for electrical engineering was a C class and I absolutely hated it. Like I thought I was like, programming is the worst thing ever. I'm never, ever going to write code. I hate this so much. Um, and I was learning circuits and like a bunch of other stuff in, in electrical engineering that I actually kind of liked. And then through my, my company that I, um, was working on which was like a classic college startup it was like yelp for frats and restaurants on campus <laughs> like find the coolest restaurant on campus or the coolest like frat to be a part of just your your classic <laughs> college kid idea um and i was doing html and css i i i almost started teaching myself a little bit of of php because i ended up building the site in drupal if like folks i'm sure there's people out there still using drupal but like back then I was picking between WordPress and Drupal, and I was like, Drupal is the future, man. I promise you, it's all <laughs> gonna be Drupal. <laughs> and so I built out this thing in Drupal, and then I was trying to write like a PHP. I was thinking about learning PHP to write like an Instagram script so I could pull Instagram data automatically to like feed mm -hmm. into the frat feed or whatever. And I met actually the guys from DigitalOcean who were in Techstars at that point. Oh, wow. It was just like four of them and they were in Techstars Boulder. And I was at this like open house at Techstars Boulder. And they're like, you should check out Ruby on Rails. It's pretty cool. Like it's it's like the next cool thing. And this mm -hmm. was like 2012. And so I decided, all right, I'm not gonna learn PHP. I'm gonna learn Ruby and Ruby on Rails. Yeah. And I did the like Michael Hartle Rails tutorial um, that if, if folks remember like back when Ruby was a big thing and um, taught myself a little bit and then get it, ended up getting an internship at at a tech company like three weeks into learning ruby they're like oh you know ruby right yeah come on <laughs> over like work for us and they were one of the other companies that was in tech stars um and so that's kind of how i like 
fell down the rabbit hole. I, I started really liking software development a lot more after that really fast kind of feedback loops and everything. I, I switched my major one more time to electrical computer engineering. So I got to take a few um, software classes, but most of my, most of my engineering skills are pretty self-taught. Um, and then I worked for a couple of startups after that I actually worked for a venture firm um, and ended up uh, doing doing VC for a little while, which was really interesting, kind of taking my technical background and applying it to that. Being like knowing even just enough coding to be dangerous, I still think is just this massive advantage. Like every VC has to have someone who at least like understands code a little bit. Otherwise, how are you going to vet anything? And so I got that that cool gig at a VC firm, kind of learned about that side of the house. And then uh, in early 2017, that venture fund basically wasn't raising their next fund. I had to figure out what I was going to do next. And uh, I'd, I'd done a couple things in college, but like never really done a true startup where mm -hmm. I was doing it full time, like really making actually any revenue or anything like that. Like all the projects I'd done in college hadn't, hadn't gotten that far. And so um, I had this idea that I just like, couldn't get out of my head. I'd been using Slack a ton. This was 2017. So we started started using Slack a little after it came out. And I just had always been a huge fan of Slack. I'm generally a big productivity nerd. Like mm -hmm. I love Calendly and Zapier and just any tool that like I can I can make an automation that saves yeah. me a little bit of time down the, down the road, I think is, is just the coolest thing. And so Slack to me was this like central hub where I could feed in everything I was doing. I could make like um, everyone who signs up for my newsletter post into this channel and everyone every every commit that I do like post from GitHub into this channel. It was just like so great to me to be able to feed all this information in. And I I was really impressed by some of the plugins in Gmail and like the ecosystem developing around Gmail. And I thought, well, I'm not using Gmail as that much anymore. Like I still use it when I have to, but most of my day I spend in Slack now. And so that was the impetus for like, what if I could bring some of the ideas of what people have been building in Gmail and bring them to to Slack. The original, original idea um, was there's a tool called Streak. I don't know if you've ever used Streak oh, yeah. instead of Gmail. Yeah, yeah, I love Streak. It's so cool. And so my original pitch was like, let's build a CRM for Slack, basically like Streak for Slack. Um, and I thought like this is gonna be so cool, and I was really excited about it. I posted on LinkedIn. I made a little waitlist. Um, like a hundred people signed up for the waitlist. So other people apparently thought it was cool too. It wasn't just me. I thought no one else would care. Um, after working in venture, I was definitely pretty jaded of like startups are all going to fail and most ideas suck. Um, <laughs> and I posted, it was like, no one's going to care. A bunch of people signed up for a waitlist. through that post. One of my, uh, the guy who ended up becoming one of my co-founders actually reached out. We had kind of met a few times, but didn't know each other super well. And him and I just started hacking on Slack. So this was early 2017. We built out, it's, it's really nice. When you build on the Slack platform, I found like, you don't need to be a designer because they handle all the design for you. You really don't need to do like any front end at all for your initial MVPs. You can just build like a backend node thing that talks to whatever it needs to talk to and then services data inside of Slack. So you're able to iterate really quickly for your initial MVPs. It would be like three weeks for us. We'd build something out uh, and we'd show it to customers. So we built like a three week version of that CRM product and showed it to customers. And very clearly was not some, a real problem that people had. Like we invalidated it really quickly, which I think was a really good thing. Um, 
salespeople are primarily still working in email. Most CRM based stuff still happens in email. So having it in Slack was really actually not that valuable. And so uh, through those conversations, we kind of learned a little bit more. We actually, our second product was more of like a Slack app bot for uh, Slack communities. So mm-hmm. like the CTO AI type of Slack community, we were like, man, people are reporting issues and bugs in some of these larger communities. Like that's where they'll end up going to report issues. Like what if we could give them a way to track their issues in the Slack community? Mm-hmm. And we built out a little product for Slack communities. Turns out that when you're running a free Slack community, you don't have a ton of budget to buy, <laughs> buy Slack apps. Yeah. So we didn't, we, we got like MongoDB Slack community on it, IBMs, like a bunch of pretty big ones. And they were like, yeah, it's pretty cool, but none of them were willing to pay anything for it. Mm-hmm. And through that, we ended up kind of figuring out, oh, if you have customers that you're talking to in Slack, or maybe you have employees that you're talking to in Slack, and they report an issue, it'd be really nice to be able to turn that into a ticket. So that sort of evolved more and more into where we've ended up. The the middle ground, like sort of the first actual product we got that paying customer that we had paying customers on was called Bubble IQ. And that was a purely a Slack to Zendesk integration. So we mm-hmm. built a two-way Slack Zendesk integration. And if you like were escalating a, a ticket to an engineer, or if you were uh, sharing cus- channels in Slack with your customers, which is a thing that we're seeing more and more and making tickets out of those, um, we basically just built like the best possible thing. If you're using Slack and Zendesk, this was gonna be the tool for you. Um, and got our first bunch of customers on that product, um, got, uh, pretty, pretty, it like people really liked it. Uh, a lot of, a lot of customers and users. And then through that is how we discovered where we actually landed, which is kind of the help product that you see today. So we didn't start built. We started from scratch. We started building the, the help product in early 20. So sorry, late 2018. Uh, it was 67 days from when we first wrote like our first line of code to when we had our first customer on that product. Um, so we were moving super fast. We were able to get some of our old like Slack Zendesk customers to switch over to that product. And our basic insight was for the internal ticketing use case, which it was sort of a segment of our customers were using it for that, that we were like, why are you using Zendesk as your internal ticketing tool? Like that's super weird. And we realized, wait, there's actually not a really good internal ticketing solution on the market the the kind of big players on the market which are zendesk and jira service desk now jira service management um were kind of designed not for that purpose and then later on turned into oh we could also use it for yeah for like it teams if we needed to and so we realized that if we started from the ground up and built a product specifically for that i'm supporting internal customers i'm supporting my employees in the questions that they have, IT is obviously a, a kind of the the one that we all understand. Hey, my laptop's broken, or I can't log into Zoom. Cool, IT helps you, and they make a ticket. But it really mm-hmm. actually applies across a bunch of other teams, a lot more teams than that, which we can we can talk about later. We realized that there wasn't actually a product that had been built for that use case from the from the ground up, and so we started building that in 2018, launched it in 2019, and got it like people really, really loved it. So it, it, it really took off sort of throughout the course of 2019. Um, we got Slack as a customer themselves, uh, as an investor and a customer actually. So they invested in our, our seed round that we closed in uh, 2019. And then they came on as a customer in July, which was huge, just such a like 
yeah. amazing case study to have, obviously, yeah, um, yeah. to have them as a customer. And then from there, things really snowballed. Um, we, we started getting customers, a bunch of great Bay Area customers like GitHub and, and, and Slack. Um, and then also just customers all over the world through the Slack app store or through, through various ways that they were finding and, and looking for our product. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we can, we can, I don't know, dive in wherever you think is most interesting, but in, in, uh, the spring of 2020, uh, we got approached by Atlassian and then ended up, uh, getting acquired by Atlassian. So we, we joined Atlassian in May and have been there, I guess, eight months now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been quite the ride. Yeah. It's, it's, well, I mean, one, just an incredible story. I love, thanks for sharing all the iterations because I think that just shows yeah. some, it's some great transparency to like how ideas evolve and startups evolve and they're not usually ever what they, you know, originally exactly set out to be. Uh, so thanks for sharing that. And then two, like I'm, I'm interested in that kind of that last, the last bit, you know, where, you know, how did you, you know, find, you know, that kind of synergy between you, uh, you know, help and Atlassian and, you know, how did, how did that kind of process work for you? Um, you know, bringing the team in and, you know, you know, understanding your kind of product vision and, you know, how is that and how has it been eight months later? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned before, we, our very first product was this Slack to Zendesk integration. And what we found is that integrating was a really great go-to-market strategy for us. So integrating with with Zendesk got us a lot of these larger customers that already had Zendesk in place and weren't looking for a brand new ticketing solution. So we decided to also build an integration with Help with Zendesk, but also with Jira. Um, So we launched our Jira integration about six months after we launched the product, so July of 2019. we, we didn't interact with anyone at Atlassian. Like we just built on the API. We launched in their marketplace. Um, they, they have a, a, a open API and a marketplace that you can build products on. And so um, our approach was just build things that customers care about and, and prove that they care about it. We weren't like going to them and asking them for anything or we didn't even really know anyone at Atlassian. And we saw really strong growth of that specific use case of the product, which is I'm using Jira Service Desk, which as I mentioned, <laughs> recently rebranded to Jira Service Management, but uh, I'm using Jira Service Desk to manage my tickets, but I'm getting all these questions in Slack and I have no way to sync those questions and, and track that data all in one place. And so they were buying help to create this great Slack experience, but continue to have all of the reporting and workflows and everything that they had on the Jira Service Desk side. and so. That was happening. That was part of our go-to-market plan was for these larger comp- customers like Slack who have Jira Service Desk and all this Jira infrastructure in place, we can provide them a, a great product experience and they can just kind of get set up really easily and, and integrate and, and be off and running. And so Atlassian just noticed that. They were like, okay, all these customers are using this product and really like it. And they were starting to consider building out sort of a similar type product. And so they just approached us and said, okay, Instead of us building out this product, we like, what if we just acquired you? Um, and as we got further and further in conversations, they kind of realized, oh, this isn't just a Slack app. This is actually an entirely new way for uh, people inside companies to manage requests and like a totally different way to think about request management and internal ticketing. 
And when they, when their eyes like really opened up to that, that's when I knew that there was actually pretty good synergy around what we were doing. Um, everything from like the founders of Atlassian all the way down were really excited and bought into the vision that we had. So that's a big part of why we are excited to join the company is because they had so much alignment with the long-term vision we had. We, we really believe that the fact that we're all now using these messaging tools like Teams and Slack so much in our day-to-day means that there's a, a opportunity to totally redefine the way we do work on top of those platforms. So uh, similar to like how when email came out, that's when all these original ticketing systems were built. Things like ServiceNow and Zendesk and Jira were built on email. So when you mm-hmm. use them, it's like there's subject lines and CCs and mm-hmm. like it kind of feels like you're writing an email when you're, when you're opening a ticket in, in Zendesk. Uh, and so our vision has always been that this this new protocol you can kind of think of like a protocol layer like the messaging layer is this protocol yeah. layer and this new protocol layer means that there needs to be new systems of, of engagement and systems of record built on top of the protocol layer um so they really aligned with our vision uh to do that and to build a, a fundamentally different way to manage uh these internal requests not just for it teams but as i sort of mentioned for uh it could be for like a uh, DevOps team, obviously, like security team, facilities. We've even seen it used by finance teams, legal teams, uh, all these different departments inside your company. They're really, I, I heard someone say the other day, like everyone provides a product. It, just a question is, is your product customer facing or is it internal facing? Which I think is a really cool concept. Mm-hmm. Like if you're the finance team, then the product you provide is an internal product to your company to help make sure it's like the product is basically money and making sure that money is moving around inside the business and in the right way. Um, and if you're a legal team, like you're providing the service of making sure that legal risk is low and making sure that contracts are executed. Like that is your product that you provide as a legal team and you need to support that product. I mean, you could choose not to support it if you want to and just hope for the best, but like most likely you need to provide some level of support to your coworkers who are your customers of your product. And so that was another big part of the vision that they really aligned with was, let's provide this to not just IT teams, but to all the different departments inside an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's been been great. So so yeah, since we joined in, in May, it's, it's been awesome. Our, our team was 14 people when we, um, when we were acquired, everybody came over to, to Atlassian. Um, and then we've grown our, our engineering team quite a bit since we joined. Um, and our whole team, but especially on the on the engineering side, we've we've added quite a quite a large number of resources. We recently launched our uh, our Microsoft Teams integration um, in about a month ago, uh, which was super exciting. So continuing to to ship product, like talk to our customers and and stay close to the customer is the goal. And um, yeah, it's just been great. Obviously, get to take advantage of a lot of the like resources inside of Atlassian and the brand and the the SEO and all of those good things. So. Yeah, tell me a little bit. I mean, I'm glad you brought up the teams. I was watching the demo that recently. You know, how did how did you know how did how did you think about kind of the teams integration? You know, you were such a Slack yeah. fan. You know, how how did how did how did that move into into teams? And then, like, what's next after that? Totally. Yeah. So the way I've I've been thinking about it lately is. Uh, I really think about it very similarly to iOS and Android in the mobile space. Mm. And it's actually, I think, a really good metaphor because 
what we've done is we've designed, we, we called it at the very beginning, a Slack first experience, um, similar to how you might have designed a mobile first experience in 2008, 2009. Um, it's not that our product doesn't work outside of Slack. You can use our product in our web application and it works totally great. You could email a ticket in and then you can reply to it from, from the web. It's that the best experience we have is by creating and managing tickets inside of Slack. So similarly, you might create a mobile first application and have the mobile first application be um, still works in the web, but like Robinhood, as an example, works much better on the mobile app than it does in the web app. And they didn't build the web app for quite a while. They started with just the mobile app. And so we've taken that approach. And I, I think that a lot more B2B products going forward are going to take that approach of being chat first or messaging first. Um, and then the web experience being sort of like a secondary thing that you only have to go to if you need to do something that doesn't make as much sense to do in the messaging interface. So if you start with that concept of like, okay, messaging first is your, is your, your design paradigm, then you have sort of these two platforms that are, have the majority of market share, at least as far as I can tell, which are Slack and Microsoft Teams. And the metaphor that I think is really cool is Slack is very similar to iOS and Teams is very similar to Android. So Slack has most of like the, the, the Silicon Valley and like American tech companies. And it's, it's more of like an English speaking, US based. People spend more on it. That like just the same way the Apple phones are more expensive, buying mm -hmm. Slack is more expensive. And mm -hmm. therefore someone who chooses to buy Slack is more likely also like a, a higher end buyer, somebody who's willing to spend more to get the sort of like higher quality product. Um, Teams on the other hand is more of a global product. It, it looks like it, it has quite a few more users, similar Android actually has a lot more market share than iOS. I know it doesn't seem like that sometimes mm -hmm. uh, for, for people in the US, but Android is the global dominant mobile op, mobile platform. Um, it is people who are maybe a little more cost sensitive, uh, a little bit less tech savvy. Like they, it, it might be folks who just were given an Android phone and they need to use it for their work or whatever similar to Microsoft where with Teams, like Teams gets forced on people all the time. It's not their choice that they choose to buy it. It's it's pushed onto them as their, mm. as their thing they have to use. Right, yeah. Also, like Slack has Slack Connect where just like Blue Bubbles in iMessage where if I'm on iMessage and you're on iMessage, we're like both part of the cool kids club. That's yeah. similar to how Slack, ch Slack shared channels they call Slack Connect now. Uh, I'm able to connect my Slack workspace to your Slack workspace and then we can talk together in Slack. Um, so I think there's a ton of similarities. The similarities are also uh, at the developer level. So Slack's APIs are amazing. They're super easy to work with. Um, they're very developer first and developer friendly. Teams is much more uh, old school and uh, difficult. Documentation isn't quite as good and, and all that all that stuff, mm -hmm. right? And so that's that's how we approached it. And that's probably how I'd recommend for like anybody who's building on sort of this messaging first B2B type application is start with just the same way with a mobile app, you start with iOS, start with Slack. Slack's gonna be where you're mm. gonna have those like early adopters who are willing to spend a lot of money on your product. It's an easier API to develop on, but it's a limited audience. It's only gonna be that, that sort of initial limited audience that Slack has been able to reach. It's still plenty big enough to build a big business and to, to build something that is that you can raise capital for and that you can 
uh, grow quite a bit. So I think it's a, it's an amazing place to start. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 like if you're building a B two B product, a B two B startup right now, and you're not building at least some component of it in Slack, I think you're probably missing out. And then as you sort of get to scale and you have product market fit and you're looking at how you're going to grow beyond that, that's when it makes sense to add teams. Um, so you don't want to do it too quickly and too early because obviously then you have all this product sprawl. Mm-hmm. But we felt like we were at a good stage, obviously being inside of Atlassian and having some additional resources. And it was getting to the point where we wanted to make sure, one, that we were at, weren't beat by a competitor or like somebody beat us there. And two, just that we increased our our total available market and increased our our potential for our big vision that we have which is this sort of message first conversational ticketing experience and so yeah we we built on teams um i i I said some negative things obviously like it it is a slightly harder uh api to work with and everything but but overall like it, it we had a good experience we got to work really closely with the folks at microsoft and um we 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 built out a product that we're super proud of um, it's still early days, but we're we're seeing great reception from the market, um, and it's definitely opening us up to a much more global and and different set of customers. Uh, everything from universities to um, companies all over the world. So um, yeah, we we've been super happy with with that launch, and there's definitely aspects of of it that are different in terms of the experience and what you're able to to provide and what it actually looks like. Um, similar to if you're building an iOS and an Android app, there's just going to be certain interactions and things that you, you, you can only do a force touch in iOS and you can't do that. in in, uh, in Android, you can only do custom emojis in Slack and there's no such thing as a custom emoji in, in teams. So we did have to rethink a few of the, the concepts of, of our product, but the core idea of opening a ticket from chat, having a conversation inside of the chat product, using forms, submitting tickets with forms and, and all that sort of stuff, that's all all the same. And it's all built into the same backend, which has been really nice. So I think we, we did realize a lot of the benefits that we were hoping of like building a product that can exist on multiple chat platforms. Um, and that kind of gets to your, uh, your last part of your question, which is like, what's next? I think we're gonna be a Slack and Teams only product for uh, the foreseeable future. The good news is we've architected it to be able to support more than that for sure. Um, but until somebody else in the market really proves that they're they're going to be a player that matters, that has real market share, mm-hmm. we're not going to integrate with every single chat thing that ever exists. It's just not mm-hmm. worth it because we do go very deep. We do build a really rich experience for any chat form, chat platform that we integrate with, which is why people I think love our product. So we're not going to go super deep on something until it has enough customers for it to make sense for us. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know it's only been a month, but what's, you know, on Microsoft teams, are you seeing, is it a similar marketplace that Alassian or Slack would have, or how does someone find you on Microsoft teams? Yeah, they have their, their uh, app source and the, the app store. So, Definitely seeing folks that uh, that find us through that um, and are and are coming in through their marketplace. Um, their marketplaces range. Uh, it's it's all ties back into like the 365 ecosystem, right? So um, you you have potential access to even a lot more customers, and they're pushing Teams hard. I mean, it is a big mm-hmm. initiative for Microsoft right now. And so what's great is that they're willing to put a lot of resources behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done webinars with them. We've done. 
um, all sorts of promotion, uh, sort of, sort of co-promotion and partnership type promotion with Microsoft. And they're just super excited to have people building on the platform right now. And, uh, there's, there's so much opportunity and potential. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a similar experience of like adding the app from the marketplace and, um, and getting, getting promotion and stuff like that, uh, through the marketplace. Okay. Gotcha. And I know you had uh, a little, a brief demo. Do you want to give everyone like a peek at everything we've been talking about? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me do a, I'll, I'll show off, uh, our Slack experience really quick. Um, just so you can see what we're talking about. Cause yeah, it's, it's more fun to see it in action. Let me know when you're ready and I'll pull it up. I'm ready. Okay. So what my the way I do my demos, which is kind of fun. It's a side by side demo. So on my right side is going to be my user who has a problem, who's going to try and get it fixed. And on my left side is the user who's actually going to answer that question um, and resolve it. Um, Cause obviously every ticket sort of has the two sides of the equation. So I'll just show the, show the really basic stuff here. I'm in an IT help channel in Slack. This is pretty common. We see these across most organizations. You have these ask IT or help type channels. As I mentioned, IT is the obvious one, but there's all sorts of different ones that you can use this for. You can see here, we have things like DevOps um, or people operations, HR, all sorts of different kind of uh, places where people might be asking questions. And if Mike, who's our, our requester here, it's a Stranger Things theme demo, uh, Mike will be our requester and Eleven will be our, our admin who responds to him. He pops in here and says, hey, uh, I can't log in to Zoom, please help. Uh, at this point, this is kind of how everyone pretty much operates. They just have this channel, people post into the channel. Uh, and then what you do is you can just add the ticket emoji to their message. This is our most popular way of making a ticket. Uh, most people are super familiar with this that use Slack. You add the emoji to the message. And what we're gonna do is actually open a ticket inside the thread of this message. You can see here, we now have an open ticket number 3577. And this thread itself is the ticket. So any comment on the thread is going to update and post the ticket. Um, any comment from the agent is going to post back here and, and notify me. On the left side now, looking at 11 screen, 11 sees the same ticket, 3577, but this is in this private channel in Slack, which is called a triage channel. Um, this is something that we've kind of, uh, a new concept that we've designed. It, it matches the way that most teams work, which is they triage these requests. Um, but it's a private channel that only has members of the team in charge of these questions in it. And so here you can see the same ticket, but I have a bunch of other options of what I can do on it. I can edit the ticket um, and, and modify fields, uh, change the status, take a, a, a bunch of different actions on the ticket right from here, or I can go in and open up the thread and actually reply. So I can say, hey, Mike, uh, did you turn it off and back on again? <laughs> and when I respond here, you'll see my response syncs over here to the public channel where Mike can see it. And Mike can say, that fixed it, thanks. And when Mike responds, his response will sync back here as well. We can also do fun things like adding a private note. If you, if you add the lock emoji in front of your message as an agent, then this will be private and we can say, silly Mike, always doing this. 
<laughs> and he won't see nice. this, right? So, so this is only visible to the team in, in this private channel. Um, I can also assign this ticket to myself and this ticket's done now so I can even close it out. And you'll see this ticket actually uh, collapse here in our triage channel. And you'll see uh, that 11, or Mike can now give it a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down um, so that we get a little feedback on the experience. So that's the basic back and forth. As you can see, I stayed inside Slack the entire time. I never had to leave. Uh, super simple creation experience. This ticket is visible in help. So you can see the whole the whole back and forth and I, I can reply from the web um, as well. And we do have a lot of folks that prefer to, to triage out of a dedicated interface. Um, but the, the goal is that we, we don't want you to have to contact switch. So wherever you're yeah. working from, uh, you can stay in that place and work from that place. Um, if you're on your phone running around, like you have the Slack app on your phone already and and it's it's super easy to 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 do. So so yeah, that's the basics. I don't want to do like a, a full demo or anything, but that that's the basics. Yeah, no, that's great. That's cool to see. I think it's uh, super useful to kind of also add to that context of like this inter these internal tools of like how this is happening behind the scenes and um, you know it, beyond just like your typical let's say like yeah customer support ticket like you were explaining earlier. Yeah, it's a lot more human, right? It's like a very we work together. I don't, I don't just want like, we have received your ticket. Thank you. <laughs> like that, that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 I like, I like the fun, like pizzazz to it too. And I feel like that's kind of very slacky too. Like you were explaining, it's, it adds a little bit of more personality, you know, even simple things like emojis, you know, and like kind of continuing like doing small innovations on that just gives it a little bit more character than some of the kind of cut and dry, you know, pure text or email first, kind of style setups. Yeah, one of the, I remember when when Slack was first rolling out BlockKit, they changed the way that GIFs show up in, in like they changed them from being some special thing to being actual blocks. And our syncing of GIFs between threads stopped working. And that was like an emergency thing. Like GIFs aren't syncing. We need to fix that like P1 <laughs> bug. Let's like, immediately <laughs> fix this thing, right? So, so yeah, I definitely think making things fun and like adding fun to it is, is a big part of our value prop. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> B1, B1 level. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so you know, you're mentioning you're kind of a productivity nerd too. One thing we always love to talk about on the show is just, you know, what's your own personal daily workflow, you know, some of your favorite tools, like how do you, how do you stay efficient? How do you get into flow state? Um, can you share a little bit about some of those, those topics and what do you do for yourself to kind of remain productive? Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a big Calendly user still. So like the ad hoc meeting in Calendly has become my preferred way of scheduling meetings. Um, you can, you, like if you have the Calendly Chrome app, you can pick a series of times and then copy paste them into an email and then the person can just book those times. Mm -hmm. Um, so I still end up spending a lot of time like scheduling stuff with folks outside of the organization. And so that's super helpful for me to, to use the, the ad hoc Calendly scheduler um, is, a, is a big one for sure. We pipe, I mean, we pipe freaking everything into Slack. Um, mm -hmm. that, that seriously is such, such a big thing that I, I know sounds obvious, but I think even we've taken it to a whole nother level of uh, uh, than, than some other folks do. So like whenever we get a new 
uh, trial that post to a channel. And then whenever we get a new paying customer that posts to the same channel with like a special gift. So via Stripe, like when you pay for help, you become a new paying customer. We get this little fun gift that says like new customer X. And it, the, I think it just searches Giphy for money. And so we get all these fun <laughs> gifts that, that pop in. Um, so I'm, I'm able to just like very easily stay up to date with what's happening in our business just by checking three or four different Slack channels that tell me like who's signing up for trials, who's converting and becoming paying customers. It's split out by teams of our Slack now. So it's really easy to see like, oh, a bunch of teams trials just came in after this promotion that we just did, mm-hmm. um, which is which is super nice. So I do think like spending the time to build some better pipes into your, your Slack channels and, and build some good culture around that uh, is super valuable. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in Rome lately, um, starting to build out uh, more of uh, my... Move, move a lot of my notes over into Rome research. Uh, Rome is a, is a note-taking tool where everything is a graph as opposed to like mm. the traditional way of putting things in folders and having it be hierarchical. It allows you to basically link one page in Rome to any other page via just like a, a, a hashtag. So you can I can do like every person that I meet in Austin hashtag Austin. And then I go to the Austin page and I see every time that I've mentioned Austin and it has this like graphical view where you can basically, it feels like you're looking at your brain basically of like everything I know in this, this cool open uh, uh, sort of graph interface. And you can see where the big nodes are. Something like Austin might be a big node because I've met people there or Boulder where I used to live might be a bigger node where I know a bunch of folks and, another note around Slack things or, or whatever it is, right? So um, mm-hmm. as I've just started to get more and more information overload, uh, mm-hmm. the way that I organize my my information and knowledge, obviously we use Confluence a lot inside of Atlassian, but for my personal note-taking, I've, I've really been liking, liking Rome. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any, any other cool ones I've been using. Actually, this is a, a, a random one, but I just bought this thing called Rocket Book. This is also a note-taking type thing. It's a, a a notebook that comes like a special marker, like a dry erase type marker, and you can write actual handwritten notes on it. And then it has an app, and you scan the page with an app, and it auto sends it to different, like to Google Docs or Dropbox or your email or whatever you want it to actually send to. So it's been really nice for work from home. Like I find I'm missing the like whiteboarding session, yeah, like yeah. actually writing stuff out thing. I'm, I'm just always typing. Um, so having this little notebook where I can like scratch little quick notes or like draw diagrams or, or whatever I want to do um, and then easily just erase it. Like I don't have to worry about getting new paper or, yeah. or anything like that. So that's been another fun one. Uh, not my traditional like like cool Zapier or Mercado thing that I've made is like I think the traditional stuff, but... Lately, I've been kind of optimizing in a different way. That's cool. No, I like that. I it's I feel like I saw a rocket book or something like this a while back, and now it makes so much more sense. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, did you ever compare it to like I don't know, let's say like drawing on an iP- an iPad Pro or something like this? Or yeah, yeah, I've definitely thought about about something like that. There is something still in my per- my brain personally about like when I write something down and actually feel as I'm writing it, I remember it a lot better, I've learned. Um, mm-hmm. Just I, It commits it to memory for me a lot more than 
anything digital, um, even if it's even if it's an iPad and I'm using a stylus, like because I'm actually writing the thing on a piece of paper ish, or even with dry erase, even I remember it better. Typing, just write, writing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's something I go in and out of, I feel like every like few weeks, it's like, okay, now I'm all doing a ton of to-do lists and, and little diagrams and things in a notebook. And then I leave it for a bit and then I come back to it and I'm still trying to kind of figure out, but it would be, it'd be kind of interesting to have what you're saying is like, if I could actually just, you know, draw something, let's say beyond, you know, something where it's more tactile and what you're used to, then that could be interesting way to kind of visualize things. It's just always typing, which I, I do happens to me quite often and I've started to try to use whimsical or other mm -hmm. tools like that more often just to see if that you know can kind of visualize things in a different way more of a structure or a framework for people so yeah that's yeah. been uh, you know the other another really great tool that I think is super underrated is um uh is uh oh shit uh, I'm forgetting the name oh envision freehand have you ever used that oh it's so great. So like for quick prototyping and like drawing, Envision has this free freehand tool and it like, like you just like draw like a diagonal thing and it makes a perfect box for you. You like draw mm -hmm. a circle and it turns it into a, a perfect circle and you can like, it's just a really nicely designed tool for doing quick, quick mockups and quick sketching. We just did Atlassian does a thing called ship it every quarter. Uh, where everybody spends two days just building whatever the hell they want to build, and then there's a whole competition around it. Oh, cool! Um, and we were using uh, one of the one of the guys on my Chipit team, one of the PMs that I work with, uh, showed me freehand, and I was like, "This is incredible! Like, I've been using Google Draw. What the heck have I been doing? <laughs> this is so much better." <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, go I have, I was, <laughs> this is totally random. But if someone wants to build this, I will buy it. I want a notebook that I can write in that syncs with my digital to-do list somehow. I don't know how mm -hmm. it exactly actually work, I guess, but like, or even like, I would even take like a tactile physical thing that has like a screen, but that like has my to-do list on it where I can like actually like physically check things off on the, on the thing and feel good about it. But then mm -hmm. it syncs to a digital thing. Cause I really like the like, checking things off on a list and having like a written list in front of me that I never have to like remember where it is. But then I also really like not if I forget that thing and like have a to-do list item while I'm running around and need to pull it up on my phone, I really want to have it on my phone. So like, I don't know, it could be a sync with Todoist or a, like maybe it just syncs with that and it doesn't do all the actual to-do functionality, but a physical way for me to see and like interact with my to-do list would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like that idea a lot. I wonder if, yeah, if, if there's some sort of integration with Evernote and, you know, pull, yeah, pulling it. I mean, it's basically you could use something like Rocketbook and, and then you right. just, you're just saying, give me like checkboxes and ability to even add to it from the computer as well. Yeah, if it could two-way sync, that'd be awesome. And even have a record. Yeah, yeah, even if it was like just from physical to the digital that it's that it synced, that would be pretty damn good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that <laughs> idea. I've, I'm also in on that. So you know, if you do cool. find it, two let customers, me, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> um, well, cool. We're about want to you know we're about wrapping up with time here. But any shout outs? Any last words for everyone? Uh, 
thanks thanks for having me if, if folks are, are interested uh feel free follow me on twitter or interact with me there my my twitter handle is fletch richmond um i also have a few things on medium uh that are that might might be interesting i wrote about the sort of teams slack android ios thing uh on android if that's something that's interesting to you um as well as a guide on fundraising so few things on medium and, and a few things most of my stuff on Twitter is probably actually not that exciting but maybe I'll get there um, yeah. so yeah I would love to like folks that are that are listening uh, I would love to hear stories of people building cool stuff um, if you have uh, you want like advice about slack related or how to build on the on the different platforms I'm always happy to chat so feel free to reach out that's great thank you yeah I'll, I'll drop those links too into the description and uh... Thanks so much for coming on, Fletcher. This is really great. Yeah, thanks, Tristan. It's fun. All right. I'll take us out. That's it for the op show today. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Remember to hit subscribe uh, if you want to be reminded of any of the episodes every week. Thanks.